Hey, Heritage family, I once again welcome you as we press into these moments of worship together. Wherever you're joining us from, know we are convinced, confident, that as we gather together wherever we're at, Holy Spirit is with us, that we are one body chasing after the goodness of God together. My name's Jeremiah, and I wanna welcome you to this opportunity for us to engage in worship, in prayer, in teaching, and just great community with one another. As we press into this moment, I'm reminded of a passage of scripture found in uh, Psalm chapter 89. The writer reminds us of who God is, and this is what he declares. He says, O Lord, God of heaven's armies, where is there anyone as mighty as you? You are entirely faithful. You rule the oceans, you subdue their storm-tossed waves. You crush the great sea monster. You scatter your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours and the earth is yours. Everything in the world is yours. You created it all. These kinds of declarations that hopefully breathe life and goodness into your heart. It's these kinds of declarations that cause our spirits to ask in wonder, who is like our Lord? High above every other name. So we invite you to declare his goodness, even as we ask our souls and our spirits, who is like the Lord? Who can do what he alone can do? Let's worship together.
bring it all to peace the storm surrounding me let it break at your name still call the sea to still the rage in me to still every wave at your name Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus you silence fear Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus breathe call these bones to live call these lungs to sing once again I will praise Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus you silence fear Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus 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 you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus you silence You make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny Your name cannot be overcome Your name is a light forever lifted high Your
As part of our conversation today around what it looks like to be fit for life in community, Pastor Josh is going to be inviting us to consider communion. Communion is the observation of the Lord's table, the remembrance of what Jesus has done for us by offering his body and his blood for our sake. We call it communion for a number of reasons. One of them is because it's a reminder of how deeply we commune with God because of the gift of Jesus, that he has made a way for us to connect deeply, meaningfully, wholly with who God is. It's also a reminder that we are in relationship with one another, that we commune with one another. It's not an act of communion on our own, but with God and others. And so as we prepare for the time of teaching today, I'm going to hold space for prayer for us. As we do that, I'm going to invite you to, to pray in a couple of different ways. One is to ask God to reveal to you what he is doing in your relationship with him, where there's some brokenness, but also where he is moving you into deeper connection, abiding with him. And then I'm going to ask you to, to ask him to speak about your relationships with others, where they're thriving and where he wants to breathe new life. And then we'll press into the time of teaching together. So let's pray together. Father, Son, and Spirit, you who have made us to commune so freely with you and one another, we do ask right now that you would reveal to each of us how we're doing in relationship with you. Show us where you are making us fully alive. And reveal to us where there's brokenness between us. God, speak even now as we hold our relationship with you before you. Lord, we pray for healing and for courage to take next steps of deep communion with you. We also ask that you would speak to us about our relationships with one another. God, show us where you are doing a new thing in our human relationships. and show us where there's brokenness, that you would invite us to go and seek reconciliation. We hold these human relationships before you now. God, as we seek to abide more fully with you and with others than ever before, lead us, go before us, offer us fullness of life and show us how to step into it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, hey, Heritage, I hope that you are in the midst of a great summer. It's hard actually for me to believe that we're already more than halfway through July. I am so glad that you are investing time into the worship moment this weekend, and I am so grateful that each of you are here. Allow me to just take a moment to sort of orient us to the journey that we've been on. Since early May, uh, we've been on this fit for life journey, and we've been looking at different buckets of conversation around body, mind, and spirit. And many of you have talked about how meaningful the conversations have been as we've journeyed through this. Now, two weeks ago, we, we started our last bucket of conversation uh, around community around spiritual family. And, and we kind of started to take a look at what, what does it look like to have healthy relationships? And so two weeks ago, Pastor Jeremiah did a great job of just ushering in and, and laying some theological framework down for us around this idea of community. In fact, he took us all the way back to the very beginning of Genesis. And he talked about how God said, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good, until he saw Adam alone. And then he proclaimed and declared over Adam, it is not good for you to be alone. And, and we are reminded that it is built into our DNA that we are to be in community, that we are to operate from a place of community. And it was such a great, great reminder. Now, I gotta say too that Jeremiah's message, he, he told a story about snake pit and his grandma taking care of business. And I thought it was such a beautiful story. But if I'm being really honest with you, 80% of my attention was on this moment from cinema history. And, and there's that great quote, 40 years ago, Indiana Jones said, snakes, why did it have to be snakes? Now, I don't know what's, what that says about me, but that's where my head went uh, during that moment. Uh, last week, Pastor Chris Conrad came and just delivered a fireball of a message where he talked about how Jesus is wildly in love with us, that we are invited into mission together, and that really one of the biggest roadblocks for us accomplishing mission is this concept that he talked about, friendly fire, about how we can so often turn on each other within church family. We can let our, maybe our uh, preferences or our opinions get in the way of true unity. And he talked about how we need to pursue unity. And, and maybe that means that we need to say sorry, or we need to ask for forgiveness. And that we need to allow the mission of Jesus to stay for, forefront of our minds and that we pursue it together. Now, all of that naturally flows then into this week, where we're not only going to conclude our conversation around community, but we're concluding this entire fit for life journey. And I've been tasked with leading us into an examination of some of the communal practices that have been woven into the fabric of our spiritual journeys. And, and these practices are designed to help us connect both with God, but also with one another. And so I want to start right up front by just introducing to us or, or maybe reminding us of a word that you, you might have run into depending on your church background, depending on how you were raised, but the word is sacrament. Now sacrament is, uh, if you dig underneath the, the Latin and the Greek origins of this word, you discover that original definitions revolve around the word mystery, or it also revolves around sort of this idea of something being sacred. And so when we use the word sacrament, we are inferring a sacred mystery. 
a holy moment, a, a moment that is set aside as something unique and something special. It's a moment when the veil between heaven and earth is so razor thin that, that you can tell the kingdom of God is pushing in with urgency and power. And so when we talk about sacraments in the church, I, I understand that it can be a bit confusing depending on your background because different traditions hold different views to what a sacrament actually is. For instance, many of you have, have told me, I, I grew up in the Catholic Church. And so this won't be a surprise to you, but the Catholic Church has seven sacraments. And if you're wanting to keep track at home, here are the sacraments that the Catholic Church affirms. And it's, it's confirmation, penance, marriage, ordination, last rites, baptism, and communion. But then there's traditions like Salvation Army where they don't hold to any uh, any sacrament at all. The different traditions leverage the sacraments in different ways. Now, heritage is attached to a denomination called the Wesleyan Church, and the Wesleyan Church is attached to a, a greater stream of Christianity called the, the Protestant tradition. And most Protestant traditions only recognize two official sacraments, baptism and communion. And heritage would agree that those two things are sacraments. Now, before we go any further, I think it would be really helpful for, for me to just make three quick statements about sacraments in general, just to kind of, so that we can kind of clear the air on this topic. The first thing I would mention is this, the sacraments do not save you. The sacraments do not save you. That can only be accomplished through faith in Jesus. You know, look at the, the most famous Bible verse, John 3.16. You sometimes will see it at, at the 50-yard line at football games or behind home plate at a baseball game or something. And, but, but you read it, and, and this it becomes clear. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him will have eternal life. See, when it comes to our salvation, friends, Jesus is the beginning and the end, and that's it. Now, I say this because there are some traditions out there that would disagree on this point. There, there are some traditions that would suggest that you need to be baptized in order to be saved, and we would, we would simply look at that in a different way, that we believe sacraments are a public declaration of a private already made decision in your life, and so you are actually publicly demonstrating your faith in Jesus when you participate in a sacrament. But friends, your participation in that sacrament is not the trigger point for your salvation. Only faith in Jesus is. But there's a second thing that I would mention about the sacraments, and that's simply to say that, that sacraments are a means of grace. Now, that's kind of a fancy term that's been used throughout church history that describes the, the practices and activities where God uniquely sustains and empowers believers when they participate in those practices. So those, those rhythms are a means to better receive and experience the grace, mercy, and love of Jesus. The, the sacraments actually open us up to to receive what God has for us, kind of in a, in a wider way where we're able to take in what he wants for us. There, there's a, a dude back in the 1700s, his name's John Wesley. He was a very influential pastor and innovator. And, and he looked at the sacraments as the way that God literally nourished the souls of those who participated. And that, that the sacraments were very important to a, a person's spiritual formation. So while we're not saved by the sacraments, actually God uses them to nourish us, to, to sanctify us, to grow us up in the faith. Now, the third thing I would mention 
about the sacraments, and this is where the, the dots will hopefully start to, to, to be, uh, you know, kind of aligned, and you'll, you'll start to see where we're going with all of this. But, but sacraments were always, always meant to be practiced in community. Baptism is not something you do alone. It, it is designed to be done with your church family. Communion is not something that you do alone. That is to be done in the context of your tribe, your church family. Any scriptural example of either of these practices situates the practice in the context of community. Now, let, let's be honest. Like There are just certain things in life that are better done in community. Can we just kind of agree on that, right? For, for instance... Uh, you know, professional sports or, or sporting events. Last year was such a, a weird year, right? The, the year of the pandemic just kind of wreaked havoc on professional sports and they had to make all sorts of different decisions. And, and of course, my first love in terms of sports is baseball. And, and so Major League Baseball made the decision to only play like a third of their regular season. And they made the decision to have their, their stadiums empty for, for most of the year. And, and it became such a bizarre thing to, to watch it on TV and to see empty stands. Like that's kind of how it started. There was nobody in the stands and it just felt eerie. But then stadiums and stations and, and uh, you know, uh, the, the, the teams and, and different things, they, they started to kind of add different artificial methods in. So stadiums would start to put cardboard cutouts, full-size cardboard cutouts of people in the stands, and it just looked strange. They, they would even throw animals up in there and stuff too. I mean, it was, it was weird. And then it got worse because some stations started to computer animate people in the stands. Like, so there'd be digital people uh, behind home plate, and it just would look really funky. And then stadiums would attempt to, to pump crowd noise in to the kind of the PA system at the, the stadium and they'd sort of amp things up when the home team was doing something good. And they were artificial ways to try to generate excitement and it, it, it didn't work. It just kind of turned out weird and flat. Watching a game last year was so strange. And then when you watch a game this year, you realize that the fans add an element to professional sports that can't be replicated and that, that watching a game with a full stadium is way better than watching a game with, with an empty stadium or with artificial fans in the stands. Now, I'm not saying that baseball is a sacrament. It may be a means of grace. I, I don't know. But, but hopefully this, this feeble comparison rings loud, that, that just as removing crowds from baseball actually takes something away from the game and from the experience, it's also true to say that removing community from the sacrament actually removes a good piece of power that the sacraments hold because it moves away from original design and intent, that God always intended sacraments to be done in the context of community. When we engage with the sacraments together, we are reminded of our corporate invitation into God's grand story of redemption in this world, that we get to do this stuff together. It's amazing. And, and that anything that would normally separate us, whether it's gender or ethnicity or, or social economics or, or background or, or whether you're a Cardinal or a Cub fan, right? All of those things might remain a part of who you are, but the story of Jesus has this power to bind our hearts together in the midst of anything that could divide us. And when we approach the cross, we do it on equal footing, right? We, we do it, each of us as sinners who desperately need the grace and forgiveness of God in our lives. It's 
so beautiful. So baptism and communion, they are these rich and vivid reminders of what Jesus accomplished on our behalf, right? They, they serve as reminders that none of us have earned this grace on our own merit or based on anything that we've done. And that all of us, every single one of us who, who have believed in Jesus, we've received this grace through faith and in relationship with Jesus. No one in the family of God is more or less important than anyone else in the family of God. We are all deeply loved and cherished. And it serves as a reminder that in the same way that we are deeply loved and cherished by God, that we are, we are then called to deeply love and cherish our brothers and sisters who we have in our spiritual family. Now, I want to I definitely want to talk a little bit about baptism and communion today. We're going to do that a, a little bit closer to the end. But, but let me just say one other thing before we kind of move in that direction. I truly believe that there are communal practices and rhythms that we can engage in that, that strengthen us as a community, but, but they aren't necessarily labeled official sacraments. I think there's like kind of sacramental pieces to it that, that, that they would definitely be sort of in the category of a means of grace but not official sacraments. For instance, what we're doing right now, you know, gathering separately or, or across campuses, gathering together to, to sing worship and, and study the scriptures and, and just be with each other, like that, that is deeply sacramental to me. Gathering together so as a body of believers to give worship to King Jesus, that it is, it is amazing. It reminds me of something that the author of Hebrews wrote where it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I've said this many times at Heritage, but one of the highlights of my week is getting to sing with my church family. Now, I our worship team members are extraordinary. Can I, can I get an amen on that, right? I, I mean, they, they are extraordinary. And each week they lead us on this journey to encounter Jesus together. And I just love worshiping with you in community. And there, there are actually moments during the worship service where I wanna just stop singing so that I can hear you sing. So you, you kind of calling out, crying out to King Jesus. It's such a beautiful thing. Another thing that I think is deeply sacramental that might not be a, an official sacrament is the idea of serving together, of kind of throwing our collective weight towards a task together. I love watching our various teams work, whether it's children's ministry, student ministry, host teams, scent teams, like our, our food pantry teams. I just get a kick out of watching people put their time and their energy into something that is making a difference for the kingdom. It is beautiful to watch this, this mosaic of believers when we are all just uniquely wired and gifted to do certain things and empowered by the spirit to serve each other in the community. And when we serve together, friends, our hearts are bound together. It, it, is, it is amazing to watch. And there is something sacramental about that. There is, there is something powerful about recognizing that each of us are priests in our own right. And some of you are like, what, what did he just say? No, no, listen, if that surprises you, listen to how Peter spells this out. He says, and you, you 
are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Wow. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Now that's amazing news and it demonstrates why serving together is sacramental, that we are all priests invited into the mission of God in this world and we're invited to do this together. It is crazy cool, crazy, crazy cool. Now, listen, there are other like non-sacrament, sacramental things and means of grace things that, that we can lean into communally that we just don't have the time to talk about today. We could talk about, you know, baby dedication. We could, we could, talk, about, um, we could talk about funerals and, and weddings and small group meetings and, and other ways that, that communally we gather together. But, but I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about the two official sacraments, baptism and communion, starting with baptism. I want to start by saying this. Baptism is a sacrament of identification. It's a sacrament of identification. Listen to how Paul writes about baptism. He says, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Now, friends, I love this because it demonstrates the profound symbolism that is wrapped up in baptism that we identify with the death of Jesus when we are quote unquote buried in the water, right? And, and then we identify with the resurrection of Jesus when we burst from the water in the same way that Jesus burst from the tomb on that first Easter morning. So we identify with Jesus when we are baptized. But, but friends, we also identify with the universal church. When we make the decision to get baptized, we are actually declaring to all of those watching, that we are identifying with them as brothers and sisters in Christ. I've heard it said that baptism is a sacrament of solidarity. In other words, we are aligning ourselves, not only with God, but with other believers, that we are declaring that we will treat our new spiritual family the same way. We would treat them as if they were blood family. And it reminds me of putting on a wedding ring on wedding day, right? That, that that's a symbol of identification that we, you know, I belong to my spouse. To a lesser degree, it's sort of like putting on the jersey of your favorite team. It's a symbol of identification. That it's a way of communicating who you're going to root for. And baptism is a statement of identification. I belong to Jesus, but I also belong to this tribe of Jesus, and I am committing to loving and rooting for all of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, just as a quick aside, every single year at Heritage, we do this big event called River Baptism. And, and this summer, it's no different. We're holding this event on Sunday, August 15th at Backwater Gambler's location. Uh, <clears throat> the service is gonna be at five o'clock, uh, but you can kind of come out between four and seven. We're gonna have food trucks and just kind of a, a festive atmosphere. But, but, but friends, if baptism's not something you have quite leaned into yet, this is a great opportunity. You can register at the Church Center app. If you're in physical spaces, we're gonna have a spot in the lobby where you can land and get registered. But we would love to journey with you as you engage in stepping into the sacrament of baptism. I also want to highlight how important it is for the church family just to come out and support in that moment. Like, like 
just because you aren't getting baptized doesn't mean that you aren't actually a full participant in the sacrament because you are when you show up to support those who are heading into the water. When you show up to root people on in their faith, you are actually an active participant in the sacrament. That you are actually opening yourself up to receive the means of grace, right? To receive what God has for you in that moment. I don't know if you're anything like me, but when I go to a baptism service, a lot of times I'll hear the stories being read, the testimonies being declared, and I'll think back to my early days of faith. I'll think back to those first days where where Jesus really got a hold of my heart and I began to understand what it meant to follow him. And it takes me right back to my baptism back when I was in seventh grade. And and my guess is that, that it will do the same for you as well. And it serves as a great moment to sort of recapture the love and the the commitment that we have for Jesus, a, a great calibrating moment. So I encourage you to come out on August 15th and root people on, but at the same time to be formed by participating in this sacrament. All right, so there's baptism, but now let's take a quick look at communion. I would sum up communion with this statement, that it's a sacrament of forward-leaning remembrance. It's a sacrament of forward-leaning remembrance. Listen to how Paul describes this. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people in agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Oh my goodness, notice the language here. This is a rhythm that has been set in place that's gonna continue until when? When the Lord returns. This is a very forward-looking sacrament that we are announcing the Lord's death, but we do it with an eye to the future. We receive the elements certainly in gratefulness for what Jesus has accomplished in the past, but we do it also in great anticipation for what he's going to do in the future, that day when he sets all things right and and, and we step into resurrection life. And I love that word announce that he uses, right? That, That our participating in this sacrament is actually a form of evangelism, a way for us to participate in the mission of Jesus That when we drink from the cup, when we eat from the bread, we're announcing as a community together, corporately, we are announcing the kingship of Jesus. It's a regular way for us to remember what's most important. It's an act of recalibration. And notice again, it's meant to be done in community, together, sharing this meal together, being formed by this meal together, so that together then our hearts are recalibrated around the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, I'll be honest with you, so often I walk into the worship center, worship spaces, and I'm facing distraction, maybe stress or worry or, or sadness or, or whatever happens, happens to be going on in my life. And, and, and it can be hard to focus in. Even just you know, consider our phones for a moment. Our phones just alone can distract us in several different ways. It might buzz with a 
a, a stress-inducing text from a family member or a friend, or it might buzz with a, a distracting headline from national news. It might buzz with a, a calendar uh, invitation for, for something that you're not looking forward to doing tomorrow, maybe a medical appointment that, that might provide bad news for you. I, it, it can be so easy to be distracted, and communion helps to orient ourselves back at what's most important to hand our burdens, to hand our stresses over to Jesus and to receive the gift of the elements as a reminder for what he's done for us. That the story of Jesus reminds us of how deeply loved we are, but how deeply loved we are called now to to love our our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I, I, I love that we get to participate in this together. Friends, I'm so thankful that God provides practices that connect us to his heart. But also these practices connect us communally, connect us in a way that binds our hearts together. Truly, we are better together. And so as we get ready to conclude this fit for life journey, I I wanna just encourage you to begin to think about the various themes that we've explored, body, mind, spirit, community, and begin to ask the Holy Spirit to refresh your memory, and to reveal next steps of obedience. What is Spirit asking you to do with the information, the encouragement, and the challenges that you've received from this series? And my prayer for you is that you would allow Holy Spirit to minister to you as we seek to be whole, made whole, made new, body, mind, spirit, and communally. Would you pray with me as we conclude Fit for Life series? God, we thank you for your grace and mercy. And and as we get ready to sort of lean back into this time of worship and singing together, I would pray that you would lead us in a moment of reflection. That may we be obedient to your calling and direction in our lives, that you would help us step into holistic health, that we would pursue you in order to be fit for life. And that we would be open for you making us whole in our bodies, in our minds, our spirits, our relationships. Lord, we can't do this alone. We desperately need you. And so we thank you in advance for all you're going to do in us as individuals and through us corporately as a church. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God has never laid is working all things out you're working all things out oh yes I will lift you high in the lowest valley yes I will bless your name heavy all my days oh yes 
of our trust in, all of our future in, the God who never fails, all of our hope in, all of our strength in, all of our future in, the God who never fails, all of our hope in, all of our trust in, all of our been a wonderful journey learning about how to greater connect with God and with our whole selves, body, mind, spirit, and in community. As Pastor Josh closed out the series for us, he mentioned the importance of baptism and how community plays a role in it. So I'd like to take a second to remind you that you can register for baptism at heritageqc.com through the Church Center app or by calling our church phone number and we'll help you get registered from there. If you have given your life to Christ but haven't taken this next step in your faith journey, then I'd like to invite you to take it now. And if you've been waiting for river baptism, then this is your chance. Next weekend, we'll also be starting a new series about family. No matter what yours looks like, it's probably a crazy, beautiful mess. Meanwhile, we're inclined to show and interact with the filtered versions of our family life working to appear happier and connected. But what would happen if we dared to choose life unfiltered? Join us throughout this series as we find the healing, purpose, and adventure our families were made for. Until then, may the Lord bless you and protect you. 
May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. We'll see you next week.